Understanding the shadow, the dark side of the self. The only devils in the world are those running around in our hearts. That is where the battle should be fought. Gandhi On some level or the other, we are all aware of the terrible things that happen in the world. When we watch news or read newspapers, we see so many stories of theft, violence, corruption and prejudice every single day. Only a naive person would believe that the world is completely kind and harmless. Needless to say that for most of us, these acts of savagery are nothing more than spicy headlines to pass our time with. Others prefer to simply be ignorant of such incidents, feeling that it has nothing to do with them. And while some tend to empathize with the victims of such acts, and maybe even do something about it, there is one thing that probably no one ever does. Nobody likes to empathize with the victimizers, the sinners, the doers of evil. In fact, if you notice carefully, even the stories are always one-sided, and we never get to hear the side of the terrorist, the murderer, the rapist, or the corrupt politician. We always assume that such people are simply evil, and in our mind, evil must only be punished and gotten rid of, never heard, acknowledged, or given any space to breathe. But here is something that I find very interesting. If humans are capable of so much darkness, which is quite evident when we look at the world, then why do we see no trace of it in ourselves? Is it because we don't have any potential for it? Or is it because we are very good at hiding it from everyone? Maybe even from ourselves? Think about it. Is it really wise to believe that we are immune from corruption, from prejudice, from doing anything criminal, inhuman or unjust, when it is plainly evident that so many members of our own species are capable of such behaviors? Why is it so that most of us would rather be nice, harmless, moral and rational than be rude, aggressive, corrupt and stupid when all of these aspects are equally human? In this episode, we will see how our incessant efforts to be good in front of others blinds us from our own dark nature. We will see how there is an inner psychological war that is being waged within us, a war between our good and evil, conscious and unconscious selves and how greatly it affects our well-being. Since it is universally believed that man is merely what his consciousness knows of itself, he regards himself as harmless, and so adds stupidity to iniquity. He does not deny that terrible things have happened and still go on happening, but it is always the others who do them. Carl Gustav Jung before we understand how we develop our dark natures, let's start from the very beginning. Now when we come to this planet, we are completely innocent and vulnerable. As little babies, we are completely at the mercy of our environment. We have absolutely no skill to survive on our own. In fact, we are so fragile and vulnerable that the people around us have to mold their entire way of living in order to cater to our needs. But this monarchy cannot go on forever. After we are developed beyond a certain point, we become sensitive enough to realize that not all our behaviors are rewarded the same. For instance, if we pee in our pants or shout at an adult, we may get scolded or perhaps our parents refuse to buy us the toy we want. If we get good grades at school, our parents become very happy and take us to an amusement park and so on. We realize soon enough that if we are to be rewarded more by the people around us, then we can't let ourselves express freely without any restraints. We have to learn to exert some control over our bodies and minds 
to be in a more rewarding and less painful relationship with those around us. In short, we have to seek certain things and avoid certain things. Now this may look trivial, but this process of learning to control and manipulate our behavior in order to please those around us is actually our education and survival. The adults around us are unconsciously teaching us how to survive in our particular culture. Over time, we learn that certain aspects of us are rewarded more in our surroundings while certain other aspects are punished and shunned. As a result, this mechanism of reward and punishment gradually shapes and transforms our psyche and we become more and more accustomed to acting out the aspects of ourselves that are rewarded. To give you an example, imagine a girl born in a very traditional Muslim household. Now in order for her to survive in her Islamic culture, traits like obedience, discipline, politeness and chastity have to become more prominent aspects of our psychology and our way of relating with the world than traits like irresponsibility, rebelliousness, rudeness and promiscuity. For her to survive, she just can't let other people see the side of her that is aggressive, rude or flirtatious. This exclusive identification with certain aspects of ourselves that are conducive to our survival gives rise to what is known as an ego. The ego is the side of us that engages with the world that other people have access to and its sole function is to help us survive. Essentially, the ego forms to protect our core vulnerabilities. It doesn't even matter what means are used to reach this end. Whatever is necessary to protect our vulnerabilities in a particular environment must be done. The problem is that as time passes, our identification with the ego becomes so strong that we stop seeing ourselves separate from it. We start feeling as if we are this fixed personality that our friends and family members are so familiar with. We even speak of each other as fixed entities. We say, John is like this, Jimmy is like that, and so on. This is not a completely groundless assertion though. Usually, we get so caught up in this fixed persona and the associated habits of seeking and avoiding specific things that the way we behave hardly changes with time. The problem, of course, is that we forget that this person that we think we are is in truth a psychological construct that originally developed to ensure our survival in the social circumstances that we were raised in. The ego is therefore a very refined and limited version of ourselves that has resulted from a great deal of censorship that we have gone through over the years. This is why in religious terminology it is also known as the lower self. Based on what is considered good and socially acceptable in the minds of those around us, we constantly inspect, edit and censor our behaviors without realizing it, presenting only a very refined version of ourselves to the world. And while this works to protect us from other people, it ends up suppressing many aspects of us that are originally present when we are little kids. This is why Swiss psychologist Carl Gustav Jung used to say, I'd rather be whole than be good. Also think about it, if you are someone who genuinely believes himself or herself to be a good person, are you really a good person if you are good only because you are afraid of being bad? Are you really a good person if you don't have any choice but to be good? In order to survive and be safe, we end up in a constant struggle to be perceived as good and not bad. The ego is therefore a very crippled way to live. In order to protect ourselves from others, 
we have to imprison ourselves behind the bars of a fixed personality. Interestingly, the ego is not the only side to us. One of the great discoveries in psychology is that the ego, or what we usually mean when we say me, is not the sole authority in our lives. Ego also has a dark twin brother, which exerts great influence on our lives from underneath our awareness. Swiss psychologist Carl Gustav Jung named it the shadow, which in case you haven't noticed, is the true subject of this episode. So without further ado, let's take a deeper look at what exactly the shadow is and why it even exists. Imagine that this rectangle is you, the complete you, with all your potentialities. Now when you come to the planet, you're like this, whole, the complete self. There's no manipulation or deception going on here. You're completely innocent and vulnerable at this point. But in order to survive in your particular society, you have to learn to play by its rules. The rectangle on the right symbolizes the social beliefs you were born into. Now the problem is, the beliefs that are valued in your specific community do not encompass all your potentialities. Say for instance, you were born as a girl in a traditional Indian family and your parents quite strongly believe that a good woman must be introverted, kind, caring, frail and a skilled homemaker, then the aspects of you which are in harmony with such traits will be rewarded more by your parents. These traits will eventually become a part of your ego. The ego is the overlap between the complete you and the social beliefs you were born into. But also interestingly, there will be aspects of you which will not coincide with such traits, such as extroversion, aggression, indifference, and inability to do housework. And these will be more strongly punished or shunned or be completely unacceptable in such a social setting. Now these aspects are the part of you that doesn't overlap with the social beliefs. These latter aspects are also equally yours, but they are not serving the purpose of your survival in your specific communal belief systems. So every time they seek expression, they will be punished or pushed away. Over time, this side of you which is antithetical to your survival becomes disowned. That is, you can't even imagine yourself as outgoing, rude, aggressive or indifferent. In truth, these traits are not really gone but are merely pushed so deep in your consciousness that you can't even recognize them in yourself. This disowned dark side of you, which includes all your traits that you have worried in order to survive in the world, is known as the shadow. In a sense, shadow making runs parallel to ego development. What doesn't fit your developing ego ideal becomes your shadow. Note that in truth, both ego and shadow are equally you. But through years of conditioning, these opposites within you have built a conflicting relationship with each other. You have started believing that you can either be good or bad, this way or that way. But consider for a moment, what if you are both? The thing is that good and bad are highly relative terms. And therefore, what becomes the part of one's ego and one's shadow directly depends on the social circumstances one is born in and not on any standard of good or bad behavior set in stone. If you were born as a boy in a community of militant jihadists or any other terrorist cult, you would think that being aggressive and cruel and making people afraid of you makes you powerful and respectworthy. In your social setting, that kind of behavior will be rewarded and considered good. You would be loved and appreciated more if you were violent, strong and assertive 
rather than timid, frail or sensitive. So the nice kind guy within you will become suppressed and become a part of your shadow, while the aggressive side will become your ego, your primary way of relating with the world. In most societies on the other hand, being nice and harmless is rewarded more. So most people we encounter in our day-to-day -day lives appear to be good, harmless and civilized even though the aggressive barbaric side of them is also lurking within them as a part of their shadow. The shadow is therefore referred to as the dark side only because it's hidden from us, not because it's bad in some literal sense. Your shadow can therefore contain both extremely evil and extremely great things depending on where you are born. At this point, some of you may be wondering, but Rajat, so what if there is this thing called shadow? Why should we even bother? Well, the thing is that this shadow that we are talking about is not something passive, dormant or inactive. It doesn't just stay in the background. It is very much a living aspect of us which has the power to influence our ego and its behavior. To better grasp the value of our discussion, therefore, let's take a very classic example of shadow behavior, sexuality. Austrian neurologist Sigmund Freud discovered that sexuality is the primary repression in most people. In most societies, especially the ones inspired by religious doctrines, sexual expression, especially before marriage, is considered ignoble, sinful, evil or morally wrong. As a result, it is never discussed in the households and the individual is looked down upon if he or she is detected to possess any traces of sexuality. In many ways, sexuality becomes like the Voldemort in the lives of many people. Everybody knows it exists, but nobody dares to talk about it. What happens as a result of this constant disapproval is that sexuality becomes the part of one's shadow. The problem, of course, is that shadow is unconscious. We are blind to it. So whatever it is that we have managed to push away from our consciousness, in this case sexuality, starts influencing our lives from beyond our conscious control. Now every time the individual is confronted with situations where this aspect of himself needs to emerge, his or her behavior will become crippled, distorted or simply weird and he or she will not even know why the hell they are behaving so artificially. This is what happens to the so-called shy people. The reason most people get crippled and uncomfortable with their sexual sides is because in the background of their minds runs a core belief that acting out one's sexuality makes one morally corrupt or a bad person. This is the general pattern of how shadow behaviors work. There are certain natural aspects of you that are either punished or criticized every time they seek expression. So as time passes, you do not feel free enough to feel, express and allow these tendencies to exist in their natural state. In order to survive, you bury these aspects under the rug and over time completely disown them. But just because you have disowned these aspects doesn't mean they have stopped existing within you. They are still a part of you and have now started running unconsciously without your say in it. And this can become problematic. If you do not make these tendencies conscious again and restore your natural relationship with them, they will keep influencing your life beyond your voluntary control. And like a helpless victim, you will just have to accept the consequences of your wayward behavior. The shadow left unconscious becomes distorted and has both physiological and psychological consequences. For instance, you might blow up in anger one day at the slightest provocation. You may suddenly start having scary nightmares. 
You may have dark moods or chronic headaches for no apparent reason. You end up destroying years of relationship over a silly thing. You stop having any creative ideas. You're low in energy all the time. You very easily get sick. You're very easily frustrated. You think of yourself as nice and harmless, but one day end up being dangerously violent and so on. Unless you integrate your shadow back with your ego, your shadow will keep having an unpredictable yet powerful influence over your life. And because you're not even aware of its existence, you are completely defenseless against it, which makes it even more important to learn about it. The gist of it all is that in order to resolve this internal split, you ultimately have to come to a realization that you're not just good, but also bad, terribly bad. And there's just no way around it. Carl Jung even used to go so far as to say that we are all potential criminals. And the only reason most of us haven't done anything criminal or inhuman is because we never found ourselves in the right kind of circumstances. Most of us are not aware of this darkness inside, not because it is not present, but because the thought of acknowledging all these devilish tendencies inside of us is intolerable for most of us. Nobody wants to bear the guilt and shame that comes from accepting the fact that we are equally as bad as we are good. It is easy instead to project all the evil tendencies on some criminal group and wash our hands in innocence. The irony though is that as long as you believe certain things to be good and run after them, you will, as a corollary, believe certain things to be bad and run away from them. As long as you lean strongly towards any one side, you will by default end up in a conflicting relationship with the other side. The only way to be at peace, therefore, is to be at peace with both your good and bad aspects, both your ego and your shadow. So it's really not about whether you want to be good or bad, but whether you want to be good or peaceful. Unfortunately, most people don't realize it, but in their ignorance, keep investing a tremendous amount of energy, maintaining this inner war, trying to keep one side at the expense of the other. To understand this, imagine what would happen if you were to hide from the world that your eyes blink. Then every time you would be in a conversation with someone, you would be anxiously monitoring and controlling the movement of your eyelids. It will seriously tense you up. Just like that, if you are constantly trying to hide your stupidity from the world in order to look smart, your anger in order to look composed, your sexual instincts in order to look saintly, your sadness in order to look happy, or even your sensitivity or compassion in order to look strong and masculine, then without realizing it, you will be building a lot of tension over time. When this tension builds up to a certain level, your ego can't hold your shadow back anymore and the dam will burst at the time when you least expect it, making you behave in a way that you will regret later. This is the dilemma that most people are in. There is massive ignorance about these psychological dynamics. Our everyday philosophy doesn't bother itself with whether there's more to us than our egos and whether this other side to us, the shadow, is in sympathy with our conscious plan and intentions. We move around oblivious of our own dark nature and eventually suffer the consequences of it. We need to understand therefore that there are many more aspects to us that the people around us generally do not see. No matter how hard we try, we can't get rid of the dark side of our nature. But what we can do is that we can learn to deal with it intelligently. We can learn to give these shadow behaviors equal acknowledgement and acceptance. 
So while we hide these dark aspects from the people around us, there's no need to hide them from ourselves. Fortunately, there are ways to become aware of the shadow and resolve this inner war between the opposites. But because each and every one of us is different, we will need to become conscious of our own unique shadow sides. Becoming aware of the shadow. Now unlike the ego, which seems to control the contents of our lives, the shadow behaves differently. Instead of doing anything, the shadow sort of happens to us. It manifests itself mainly in the form of contrary feelings, fantasies, longings, impulses, and dreams. None of which we make voluntarily, but which comes to us by itself. In truth, there are many ways to become aware of your shadow side, but you need to have an open mind if you want to unveil these hidden aspects of yourself. Now some of you may object, but Rajat, if shadow generally contains our negative aspects, then why should we open the lid and let these things resurface? Well firstly, because shadow behaviors are problematic only when they are contained. It's just like an animal who becomes unwell in isolation, but when allowed to run free and wild, slowly comes back to its natural sane state. Secondly, because our shadow sides contain many hidden gems, many unrealized potentials that when resurfaced, makes us very colorful beings capable of many different things. For instance, a stiff and civilized woman then becomes aware of her barbaric and aggressive side and learns to accept them as aspects of her own, suddenly feels free enough to do things she was afraid to do before. She can now follow her passions and take a stand for what she believes in, even if it bothers some people around her. So now let's explore how we can discover our shadows. The first way you can discover your shadow is by becoming aware of your ego. Now to discover the ego is relatively easy because ego usually has a storyline which it strongly holds on to. For instance, if I were to ask you your story, what would you say? Who do you believe yourself to be? That's what you need to become aware of. You may tell me, Rajat, I'm John. I live in this or that town with my parents. I think I'm pretty clever. I like to do what I do with a certain perfection. Currently, I'm working at an online startup which I founded with a friend. I'm quite extroverted and very good with people. I'm also single at the moment and I like it that way, although I don't find it hard to find someone. Like this example, you probably believe yourself to be the main character of a story who has certain traits. In the example I just described, John believes himself to be ambitious, perfectionist, smart, extroverted, and sexually attractive. Now for John to discover his shadow, all he has to do is to flip these traits and find their opposites. So according to this analysis, what John doesn't like to be is to be mediocre, careless, stupid, shy, and ugly. It is very likely that the relationship John has with these traits is that of aversion and hatred. So this is John's shadow, or at least a part of it. Now John might say to me, but Rajat, you don't know me. I'm really not mediocre, stupid, shy, careless, or ugly. And I would say, you are John. Ask yourself, have you never been mediocre at anything? In fact, there are more things that you're mediocre at than the things that you're good at. Ask yourself, have you never done anything stupid? Have you never been nervous or shy? Have you never done anything imperfectly? Have you never looked ugly? Clearly, all these traits are a part of John 
which he doesn't like to include in a storyline. But why? Think about it. This is exactly how shadow functions. There are certain things you don't want to be in the world. So you stop seeing those things in yourself. But that doesn't change the fact that these things are still in you. So let's talk about you, the listener. What is your story? What do you like to be? How do you like to be introduced? What do you like the world to know you as? Write it down and a character with certain traits will emerge. Perhaps you like to be known as smart, sexy, funny, honest, etc. Whatever it is, just write it down. Once you have these traits, write down their opposites. For instance, stupid, ugly, serious, liar, etc. Whatever they may be. These opposite traits will tell you something about your shadow. When you have these opposite traits, notice also the fact that you do not allow yourself to be these things. The second way you can discover your shadow is through the process of projection. In our everyday lives, we see and encounter many people. Doesn't even matter if it's a real life encounter or is just watching someone on the media. Now most of us don't notice this, but each and every one of us is affected differently by the same person. You may go to a party and one person there totally hates you. Another person wants to be your friend and yet another is secretly in love with you. You're exactly the same person from your perspective and you may not even be aware of this but from the perspective of different people, you look and feel completely different. Now how is that possible? It's possible because other people are seeing you not as you are but as they are. The thing is that we often look at the world and we think that the way it looks from my individual perspective is how the world really is. But our interpretations of the world tells us more about ourselves than it tells about the world that we live in. Most of us fail to notice this, but even fewer people understand how useful this fact is in knowing more about oneself. Now there can be many kind of responses that can come up when we meet and interact with different people. But let us dare and classify them into three broad categories. Someone can either affect you positively, affect you negatively, or have no effect on you. For the sake of our discussion, we only need to focus on the first two. People that either have a negative or positive effect on us. For example, you see someone and you instantly hate him or her. Or you get extremely jealous or maybe really admire them or think they are extraordinary. Whatever the response that comes, notice it. There is some value in how you react to different people, especially when you know little about them. You see, when you hate, envy or admire someone, in truth, it is telling something about you, more specifically about your shadow. In psychology, this phenomenon is known as projection. People don't realize it, but when they look at the world, they are looking at their own projection of it, their own interpretation of it. And because shadow is the side of us that we have stopped seeing in ourselves, it is usually projected onto the world. What we can't recognize in ourselves, we are affected by in other people. So in order to become aware of your shadow side, understand this rule. Traits that affect you in other people are the traits that you cannot accept in yourself. For instance, if you see a person on a street and you instantly hate him because he looks ugly, then it's only because you can't imagine yourself as that. Being ugly is not something that you identify with. 
So if one day you find yourself in circumstances which force you into ugliness, maybe you develop some disease, or maybe someone even more good looking than you judges you as ugly, then trust me, you will not respond well to that. Perhaps you'll become very angry or do something stupid. Likewise, say you see someone who is filthy rich and you admire them to the point of being fanatic. Now this is an example of being positively affected by someone. So even in this case, the reason this person has so much charge for you is because what they have, you cannot see or accept in yourself. That is, being wealthy is a part of your shadow. You just don't think that it's possible for you to be that wealthy. And because you don't give yourself the right to be rich, you are never going to take the necessary steps that are going to make you that rich. In your mind, only few people have the right to be wealthy and you are not one of them. So even if an opportunity arises that can move you in that direction, you are not going to use it wisely. Note also that if being wealthy wasn't a part of your shadow, you wouldn't have any emotional charge when you saw someone who is rich. As you can see from our discussion, the way you are affected by people has some valuable information about your shadow. The aspects of you that you have learned to not see in yourself, you are now affected by in other people. So if you want to become aware of your shadow, keenly notice how other people affect you. If you don't like fat people, then it's because you can't accept yourself as that. If you don't like lazy people, then it's because you don't like to see yourself as lazy, and so on. So whatever you dislike or hate about people, whether it's their temper, the way they dress, their shamelessness, their arrogance, their violent behavior, their vulgarity, their stupidity, their lack of discipline, their weaknesses, their corrupt behavior, their fakeness, or their sensitivity, no matter what it is, it's your own shadow. And just like that, whatever you admire in others, their romanticism, their freedom, their creativity, their confidence, their cleverness, their wisdom, and so on, all of these aspects are also traits that you are not able to recognize in yourself, even though they are very much present in you. This is also your shadow. The thing is that if these traits were not a part of your shadow, they would not have any effect on you. The only reason they have an effect on you, whether it's positive or negative, is because they are telling you something about yourself. In most cases, the shadow speaks indirectly through conflicts and distortions in relationships. It reveals itself when we engage with the world. Therefore, for most people, it can only be encountered and studied through interactions with other people. So in order to become aware of your own unique shadow, have a keen eye on what affects you in other people. Keep careful note of these things. This is a very good way of becoming aware of your shadow. Also notice the fact that the same person might have different effect on you as compared to someone else. For instance, you may be affected by someone's arrogance while your friend might not even notice it in that same person. Reintegrating your shadow Now that you have some idea of how to become aware of your shadow, let's conclude this episode by understanding how we can reintegrate the shadow and retain our wholeness. But why is that important, you may ask? Well, like we discussed earlier, as long as things remain buried and hidden within you, they will be projected onto other people and have an unpredictable effect on your relationships. If, say, you hate to look ugly, 
you will unconsciously push people away who fit that criteria in your head. If you don't like to have a temper, you will unknowingly judge people with a temper or get in heated arguments the moment someone becomes angry at you. If you hate being a liar, you will harshly criticize people if you find them lying. So whatever it is that you have disowned in yourself in order to survive, you are going to project that onto other people. I hope you see now that if you want to improve the quality of your life, you need to become conscious of your own shadow. You already know now how to become aware of your shadow aspects. But remember that it takes some time to accept these shadow traits as your own. This is what I mean when I say reintegration. Note that right now, you only identify yourself with your ego and the shadow which is equally you is projected onto other people. For instance, if you don't like people who are arrogant, then it's because you don't see yourself as arrogant and you don't see yourself as arrogant because arrogance is the part of your shadow. So the moment you get in touch with your own arrogance, you will cease being affected by or making a big deal about someone else's arrogance. This is when you have successfully reintegrated a shadow aspect. The more you do this with different shadow aspects, the more your relationships with people will improve and the more you will be at ease in the presence of different kinds of people. So how do we do this? Once you have some idea of your shadow aspects from the exercises that we talked about earlier, you need to learn how to see these traits in yourself. Now there are two good ways you can do this. First, is through contemplation. If there's a shadow trait that you have discovered using the exercise that we talked about, you can then ask yourself these questions. Have I ever demonstrated this behavior in the past? Am I demonstrating this behavior currently in my life? Under different circumstances, am I capable of demonstrating this behavior? For instance, if you hate being a bully or you cannot recognize yourself as that, then ask yourself. Have you never been a bully in your entire life? If you were born in different social circumstances with different set of beliefs, could you not have become a bully yourself? Now there can be things which can be very difficult for you to accept. For example, if you totally hate someone who has killed a person or cannot really identify yourself as that, then ask yourself again, have you never killed anything in your life? If you were born on the street, and raised in some really bad influence, could you not have easily become a murderer yourself? Just like these, no matter what comes up that you can't see yourself as, ask yourself whether you have never exhibited that trait or a version of it in your life. And if your social circumstances were very different from what they are now, could you not have exhibited that trait yourself? Take your time to think about it. These are profound questions which can radically change the way you look at the world and can help you accept these dark traits that you've been running away from and seeing only in other people your entire life. The second way you can reintegrate your shadow is through the process of ritualization. Another great way to create acceptance for your shadow aspects is to try expressing them in a safe environment or find safe ways to express them. For instance, if you've always been a nice, harmless girl to the world, then your angry and aggressive side is probably a part of your shadow. And though you might not notice the consequences of this psychological arrangement, you're very likely suffocated inside that nice girl persona. So in order to generate acceptance of your dark side, 
you can find or create opportunities where this aggressive side of you can safely express itself without causing any harm to others. For example, you can join martial arts classes, enroll in some adventure sports or join the gym. You can also try screaming as hard as you can when there's no one around, beat the ass out of some pillows, break some extra furniture, burn something or kick the boxing bag. Note that you're doing these things intentionally with full presence of mind so that your dark aggressive side doesn't have to express itself unconsciously. To refuse the dark side of one's nature is to store up or accumulate the darkness. This is later expressed as a black mood, a psychosomatic illness or unconsciously inspired accidents. So we are instead taking things in our own hands and playing with our shadow aspects safely. Be as creative as you can and use your imagination to express your dark side. This is the method of ritualization. In this method, you are intentionally giving expression to your shadow aspects without causing any harm to anyone else. In the example I just described, the nice harmless girl will become quite liberated internally if she gets in touch with her aggressive side through such rituals. When we express our shadow aspects ritually, they cease to have a powerful influence over our lives. You can discover yourself how liberating such acts can be for you. Now you may be wondering, but Rajat, does this mean that we have to be as destructive as we are creative, as bad as we are good? Yes, in truth, we are already both. But we can suddenly be intelligent about expressing our shadow aspects and have some control over how or where we will pay the dark price. Remember, a symbolic or ceremonial experience is just as real in its effect as an actual event. The psyche is unaware of the difference between an outer act and an interior one. So once you become aware of your shadow aspects through the methods we talked about a while ago, you can then find safe creative ways to express them through this process of ritualization. Experiment with this. If, for instance, you see yourself as quite reserved and shy, try dancing with some supporting friends. If you hate lazy people, try being extremely lazy for a day. If you dislike people who are shameless, try that out too. Whatever you are to other people most of the time, try to live the opposite side of it through creative rituals. See how it feels. You can draw something, write a story about a dark aspect of yourself, dance it out, burn or bury something, or take part in a ceremony and so on. Note that your shadow aspects will not feel safe to come out if they feel judged. This is why you need to create a safe environment to express these shadow aspects. If there are people around, make sure they support and understand what you're doing. The thing is, when your shadow aspects are normalized and are allowed to be within you as natural aspects of yourself, then and only then you will have the freedom to express yourself as you desire. Now when you will express your good aspects, you will not do that because you are afraid of being bad. You will do that instead out of choice and not obligation. Carl Jung used to say, find out what you fear the most, that is where you will develop next. Fortunately, we know now, thanks to decades of research, that the place that usually harbors our worst fears are our shadows. But knowing the problem and having the solution is just a fraction of the work. Reintegrating your shadow is not easy and it will require courage and openness from your part. 
you might have to do these exercises for some time and with different shadow aspects to see any significant changes in the way you feel and move about. But the results will definitely come if you put in the work. Until then, your dark behaviors will very likely remain uncontrollable, like a bomb waiting to explode if only the right kind of triggers present themselves. Alright guys, so this was all about shadow. Now I know that this was a pretty long episode for some of you, so if you're still sticking around, that's commendable. Also, if you enjoyed listening to this episode and have some questions to ask me, please drop in the comments section and I'll be happy to respond. You can also follow me on Instagram at profundus.in. So thank you for listening to Profundus. I'm Rajat, your host, signing off.